Barry S. Odom, age 42. Occupation, Mizzou football coach. A fixture of the fall, a man beloved by his players, and therefore a most important man. But losing two games as a three-score favorite in one season? Couldn't happen, you say? Probably not in most places. But it did happen in the Odom Zone. everybody, I'm John Miller, and welcome back to Locked on Mizzou. And yes, as you can hear from that silly opening that I just recorded this afternoon, I certainly was expecting to open the show with Mizzou football today. But I'll be damned. Right before we started recording, some gigantic news broke. And you know what? That makes the A block a heck of a lot easier for your boy. I'll tell you that, because... Missouri and Kansas, they're playing basketball again, starting next year at the Sprint Center on December 12th, 2020. Unbelievable. And yes, they'll bookend it with another game December 13th, 2025, with four games in between, two at Mizzou Arena, two in Lawrence, with six games total. And you want to talk about some gigantic news that absolutely came out of left field. And some news that I'm thrilled about, obviously, as a Mizzou fan. You know what? As much as part of me doesn't miss the rivalry with Kansas because, frankly, it got more heated and at times than it needed to be. But that's part of the fun of college sports, isn't it? And honestly, a lot of people thought, hey... Well, the football team, that'll probably come back before anything, right? The football rivalry. Well, gosh, people are already speculating that since the basketball rivalry came first, that might mean Bill Self could really be in deep trouble here. He could truly be on the chopping block. (laughs) It's interesting. I I won't bore you with all the details of Kansas's NCAA dealings here, but let's suffice it to say all the things that Mizzou was accused of and is now on appealing their sanctions involving a tutor named Yolanda Kumar. Boy, all the stuff that Kansas is being accused of. It just looks like a whole different ball of wax, I can tell you that. So the allegations look real and it sure looks like Bill Self might be out of there because he was really the biggest proponent in this rivalry not happening. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? If not that, then what? What what did what did make this rivalry somehow thaw just overnight seemingly? Or if, heck, even over the afternoon. I didn't hear any rumblings of this. I'm as locked in as about anybody who's not one of the daily beat reporters for Mizzou. What happened here? Cuz it certainly wasn't Conzo Martin, and it certainly wasn't Barry Odom. None of our guys, it certainly wasn't our end. It wasn't it wasn't our athletic department. It wasn't any of our people. It wasn't Jim Sturk. I think we all wanted to play Kansas. I think we've made that pretty obvious. It's a good draw for Missouri. It's a good draw for Kansas too, right? It seems like it's a mutually beneficial thing. Now, I guess they would argue, hey, we're the blue blood 
classic college basketball program. Well, we don't need Missouri. Well, have you seen their recruiting classes the last run or two? Not so impressive. Certainly not the kind of Kansas recruits that you're used to seeing over the last decade, 20 years. Certainly in the Bill Self era, more to the point. So, again, all these things sort of add up to looking at, gosh, the NCAA really might drop a big hammer on Kansas. And, frankly, if they do, well, what great timing. We get to play a weakened Kansas squad. Listen, I don't want to get too far out in front of my skis here. Lord knows I'm always the optimistic, Pollyannish Missouri fan, and I'm trying to rein that instinct in just a little bit. But right now, I'm very happy just to know that we've got the most entertaining rivalry that Missouri had, and it had been gone for a long time. As somebody who was definitely a proponent of the, of the SEC move, that whole thing, I have no regrets. I mean, what a, what a Keystone Cop-type circus the Big 12 still is to this day. I, I couldn't be happier to be away from that conference, quite honestly. Probably the most exciting game they had last week, Kansas and Texas wasn't even available as somebody who has just about every single channel on DirecTV sports-wise. Well, of course, I don't get the Longhorn Network because why the heck would I want to put money in, can, in, in, the, in the hands of the University of Texas or Kansas, for that matter, as I almost mistakenly said. But, you know, to the point, obviously, if that game's getting buried on a regional cable network... Whereas every game in the SEC virtually is on national television. Actually, I think every game is on. I think I can pretty much say that. I know literally every Missouri game has been on national television so far. So I can pretty safely say that all of LSU and Alabama's are, right? But anyway, I digress. The point is, that was the one thing that was missing in the SEC move. Was that that bit of good old-fashioned... Hatred that has festered for over a hundred years. The kind of hatred that has to sit like a good piece of meat in a smoker over over a period of time. Like a like a like a fine bourbon sitting in a cask, like in a wooden cask for decades. Yes, that's the kind of hatred that we have with Kansas, and quite honestly, I couldn't be happier to have it back. And by the way, it is just sports hatred, by the way. It's not real hatred. I, I got news for you. I hate to break the gimmick for you, everybody. I've had fun with people in Kansas before. It's not that serious. But do I hate your football team and your basketball team? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. With every fiber of my being. But the good news is we get these sort of hatreds out on the sports field, and then we can all raise a, raise a glass together, clank them together, even before the game. I remember in 2017, by the way, speaking of 2017, the last time Missouri played Kansas in basketball, the, the what was it, the game for relief. It was definitely for, uh, I believe, the Houston Hurricane. It was, it was around that time. I could be mistaken. Some sort of tornado. I'm not forgetting. I think it was I think it was hurricane relief was, was the purpose of the game, but it was a preseason game, 2017, and Honestly, what a magical time that was. And I, it, what triggered my memory is I just remember trying to get into the Sprint Center that day. There was this KU female fan that I was standing next to. I was wearing my black and gold Air Force Ones. She was wearing some red and blue 
Kansas Converse All Stars, and I was just saying, "Hey, look, we got we got matching shoes. You know, we, we're shoe dorks, that sort of thing." And took a picture with her, and you know, it was just I was just happy to have the rivalry back, and so was she. And that just shows you again, it's just sports hate. It's not real hate, and honestly, that's one of the things that I love about sports. Not to get too sappy here, but I love that we can take our some of our weird sort of tribalistic energy that we have as human beings and channel that into a silly game that we get a little bit too excited about for a couple hours, but then move on with our lives, right? I don't know. Not to get political here, but I like that a hell of a lot more than an actual war. Yes, that's right. I'm saying give me the border war over actual war any day of the week. And you know what? With that, let's get to Mizzou football, including why this Vanderbilt game is actually an even bigger disaster than you probably realize. Oh, yes. I'm going to give you some context on the game and what I think Missouri can do to help itself. Little simple things that I think can make their offense a lot more difficult to defend right after this. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, speaking of football, erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. But you know what? Now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Now, one thing I've certainly noticed about college football this year is if you're not the elite of the elite, and I mean the absolute elite of the elite, like LSU, like Alabama, like Clemson, and even even Clemson has shown a modicum of vulnerability this year, but it just seems like if you're outside of that absolute cream of the crop, my goodness, you should probably be looking at underdogs, right? Well, I should have, if only I could have given myself that advice before my Friday betting segment last week, right? Where I told all of you to give the 21 on Missouri, but you know what? Week to week, weird things can happen. They really can, but that's not to excuse what happened this weekend. That's not to excuse what happened on Saturday. And quite honestly, if you've com- now completely lost faith in Barry Odom, if you're saying, you know, I just don't think he's ever going to get beyond the level that we are right now anyway, let's put it that way, I can't say I blame you. I really can't. I'm also not there yet. Me personally, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to abandon ship with Odom. But my goodness, that loss was really, really catastrophic in ways that I'm not even sure everybody realizes yet. Because I've seen some prominent Mizzou people, and I won't I won't use their names because that's not the point. I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody or something like that. But I've seen some prominent Mizzou commentators say, hey, you know what? 
Gary Pankel in his fourth year, and by the way, this is Barry Odom's fourth year, he lost to Troy in his fourth year, right? That was a huge upset at the time. And then in his fifth year, we lost to New Mexico in our opening game. You could compare that a little bit to Wyoming, I suppose. But you know what? I'll tell you, as somebody who attended that New Mexico game, as somebody who watched that Troy game from the comfort of my home abode, and especially with the benefit of hindsight, I'm here to tell you right now, New Mexico and Mizzou in 2005 were not that far apart. And any advanced statistic that you look at, like say you go to Football Outsiders, pick the stat you want from 2005, and all of them will tell you that we're about within 10 spots of them. It really wasn't that big of a difference. Hey, remember Hank Basket? Remember that guy who was married to, who Who was the uh, one of... One of Hugh Hefner's old girlfriends he eventually ended up marrying. Well, anyway, I forget the name of that show. But the point is, Hank Baskett did play in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles for quite a few years. And he was a problem that day for Missouri. Okay? I'm just saying, and especially speaking of the advanced stats, they tell us that this Missouri team is a lot better than that 2005 Missouri team as well. And then go back to the Troy game, okay? Well... Number 17, Missouri, in that game. That was their rank coming in. Obviously, they didn't finish there. They didn't even make a bowl game. Well, okay, Troy beat us down there. Well, you know what Troy also did that year? They happened to play another number 17 that year, the LSU Tigers. And they lost by four down in Baton Rouge in front of 102,000 people that year. I'm sorry, none of those things I just described has anything in common with this version of of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Vandy is just awful. There's no way around it. At least they were until Saturday. Now, if you want to give them all the credit in the world, I'll give them some credit, certainly, because honestly, most of my, for as much crap as maybe some of my friends give me for being a Mizzou optimist, and I don't blame them, I deserve it, but honestly, my pick on Friday had a lot more to do with Vanderbilt than it did Missouri. I just thought they looked like they were done. It looked like they had given up on the season. And I believe, I believe off the top of my head, I, you know, again, I, I've mentioned that Vanderbilt lost to UNLV in Nashville by 28 or 24. I think it was 34-10. It was either 34-10, 38-10. But they also lost UNLV, that is, lost 53-17 to to Wyoming. Remember? Hey, remember Wyoming? Yeah, okay. Well, the thing about that Wyoming game again is, again, the Missouri-Wyoming game, sure, they hit a couple really long run plays. Missouri had some bizarre turnovers and moments. And sure, you can talk yourself in to that game being a fluke. I'm sorry, this Vanderbilt game was not a fluke. And again, on paper, Vanderbilt is a significantly worse team than Wyoming. Forget about SEC versus the non-Power 5. Wyoming is absolutely a better team, and significantly so than Vanderbilt. How does this happen? It's just really frustrating. You know, as, as much as I like to say, hey, anything can happen on Saturday if you're not the cream of the crop, you know, it's just disappointing that in a season in which Missouri has everything to win, 
everything to play for that they can do this twice in one season. And again, I saw a lot of other people say, oh, you know, woe is us, woe is Missouri, which is understandable. I get that. Missouri suffered a lot of ridiculously painful losses over the years. They really have. And I've seen other people say, oh, typical Barry Odom, oh, typical Barry, yada, yada, yada. Well, actually, in reality, this isn't typical anything because, in fact, Missouri is the first SEC school to blow two double to blow two games as double digit favorites in one season since Florida did it in 2001. And Missouri wasn't just double digit favorites in these games; it was three score favorites in these games. Those kind of losses are rare. They happen, but they're rare. For it to happen twice in one season is exceptionally rare. (laughs) Because usually, when that happens, you stop getting the benefit of the doubt. But somehow, Missouri, in the last five games, was not only able to rebuild the benefit of the doubt with Las Vegas, as it were, with the betting public, with the odds makers, it was able to do it with its own fans. And yet now, losing to a team that was, on some measures, like maybe the 100th best team in the country coming in, oh boy, it's going to be tough to build that back now, especially with the meteor schedule coming up. It's just too bad, it really is. I wish I had some positive words to say about that game, but I really don't. I have nothing. I got nothing for you. But what I do have is some suggestions, especially for the Missouri offense, that I really genuinely believe that can make the season easier for them, and especially easier for Kelly Bryant moving forward. And I'll tell you what those are coming up right after this. Well, it certainly couldn't have been a fun Monday film session for anybody on the offense that I can think of outside of maybe Cam Scott, but had to have been a particularly rough one for not only, in my opinion, Kelly Bryant. Didn't play well, that's for sure. But honestly, I I didn't hear a lot of people, and maybe this is just me, maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't think Larry Roundtree ran the ball particularly well either. And while the offensive line is getting the lion's share of the blame, I I think there was a couple moments, particularly one around the the red zone, around the five-yard line, when there was a time when Roundtree, to me, had the pylon. It was a toss-type play to the outside, To me, he had the pylon, and he cut it up inside to run this guy over, but he couldn't do it. He ends up getting tackled down at the two or the one or something like that. You know, just little things like that. I don't know. I just didn't think he was seeing the game particularly well from from my vantage point, anyway. And and Kelly didn't either, honestly. You know, there there had to have been times when some receivers got open for us against Vanderbilt. There just had to have been. I mean, frankly, I I don't have access to all 22 footage, so sometimes I can't see all the receivers down the field, but I've got to imagine that there had to have been times when he missed receivers or he could have at least given his guys some shots, right? But instead of really coming down hard on those guys, because I don't really feel like doing that anyway, but what I do have is some suggestions that I think really can make Kelly Bryant's life easier moving forward and Larry Roundtree's. 
in particular, I think the whole offense can look a lot better and can be a lot easier if we just go empty a little bit sometimes, or at least emptier, if not full empty, if not full five wide. How about four wide with a running back along with Brian? Instead of every time, you know, just so often we're just so bunched up with our formations. And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with having power-type formations run out of a shotgun set. There's not anything necessarily wrong with that. But when Missouri can't really do anything other than that, or at least we don't attempt to, then... It makes the defense, it makes us easier to not only key on, but it also it makes the defense harder to read, in my humble opinion. See, it actually, you get more of a read on the defense when you actually go empty and spread it all the way out. Obviously, the downside with going empty, at least in my humble opinion, is pass protection. If you can't pass protect, then obviously going empty isn't going to really work. You're going to need some backs and tight ends in there to help out. But if you can protect with five guys, then what's wrong with going empty? In fact, there's a lot of advantages to it. Now, if you think about it, to me, we don't line Albert O in different spots enough. I would like to see him lined up on the boundary occasionally. And by the way, we're talking about empty. We're not saying five wide receivers necessarily. In fact, that's not what I want. I actually would love to see... Mizzou being its sort of typical 11 personnel with one tight end, one running back, Roundtree and Albert O, for instance, and maybe throw in Daniel Parker there, maybe make it 12 personnel. But regardless, you can put Roundtree out there on the boundary so somebody has to cover him, right? And the deal is when you bring in Roundtree like that, the defense is expecting a run a lot. or It's very much a 50-50 proposition, but then you – then okay – you break the huddle, suddenly Roundtree is lining up on the boundary. All right, well, Larry, not being a pass receiver is not the strongest part of his game, but by putting him on the boundary, you still force a defensive back to cover him, or at least a linebacker, somebody. And again, part of putting Albert O possibly on the other boundary, then you make the defense play a cat and mouse game. You're forcing them to then say, okay, do I want to put a corner back out there? Do I want to just leave my corner out there? And if they do, that probably tips off that it's zone coverage a lot of times, okay? Just little things like this that can make defenses easier to read that I I just frankly don't understand why Missouri isn't exploiting them, at least on occasion. I'm not saying they have to go empty on every down and go full Chase Daniel offense. That's not my point here. My point is is to sprinkle it in a little bit here and here and there, surprise the offense, show surprise the defense, I should say, surprise the opposition, show them something they haven't seen on film, and then force them to adjust. And when you see how they are they adjust, you'll be able to then read what they're doing much more easily. See, it's just it's just my opinion. When you say a, a two tight end formation while everybody's bunched up, it's just easier to disguise defense in that particular situation, in my humble opinion. Now, hey, if you're wrong, if you think I'm all wet, as always, you can hit me up, DM me, at me, all that good stuff, anywhere on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Locked On Mizzou. And hey, you know what? 
if you like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Royals, the Cardinals, any of that good stuff. Really. Any college team you can think of just about, we're adding them all the time. Over at LockedOnPodcast.com, your number one source for daily local podcasts. So, until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.